Hey, welcome to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason, lead pastor of Revolution Church. That's him right there. My name is David Stein, and I'm the campus pastor at our Canton location. The purpose of the Grow People podcast is to help grow people. Now, we do have a little fun on this, and then we get into some pretty deep stuff. Now, if you remember the last episode previously on the Grow People podcast, we talked about what's it going to be like going to family for the holidays and how can we be light in the darkness? Mm -hmm. And you walked us through kind of a, a three-step process of sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. So first question is to everybody listening, if you had one of those experiences and you were able to witness to a family member mm -hmm. or a friend at Thanksgiving, we want to know about that. So send a message on the church Instagram page. That's the same Instagram page as we have for the podcast. It's Revolution Church GA on Instagram. You could also ask Pastor Jason a question on that Instagram page, Revolution Church GA. But if you have one of those stories where you were able to sit down and listen to people because Pastor Jason said, hey, that's the first step that's listening. Right. Yeah. Second step was telling your story. And the third step was telling Jesus's story. If you have one of those, we would love to be able to share that on one of the upcoming podcasts. I actually had an opportunity to do that. You did, yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna text you right in the middle of it. What do I say now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be great if we all had uh, somebody on speed dial? Do we even say speed dial anymore? That's no, what we used to no, say. No, no, right. I don't even say that anymore. Yeah. And and I'm substantially older. Yeah. Well, that's so, back what you know what what not the not, rotary dial. Yeah, the rotary yeah. dial. Like mm -hmm. the whole idea of a speed dial, mm -hmm. which some of our listeners wouldn't even know. But my great grandmother had one of those phones and I just would like sit there and play with it. So the whole idea of speed dial was like it's so much faster than sitting going nine. Da, 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 you know. <laughs> hey, so I, text I remember, speed text. <laughs> I remember when we actually said the name of the exchange. So the first two numbers of a telephone number actually corresponded to the letters on on the uh, the actual button or the actual dial. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, ours was HU. It was four eight. So it was yeah. HU. It was Huxley nine zero zero four. That was our that was our phone number. It was. Yeah. I have no idea what that Back means. Back when only but... three people had telephones. It, it was me. It was Alexander yeah. Graham Bell. Yeah. Yeah. We, ne we, me, and my, we didn't have one of those. Like I said, my grandmother did. Uh, but yeah, it is amazing to think back on how technology has changed. <laughs> All that to say, wouldn't it be great to be able to text somebody those instant questions? Yes. You know, phone a friend. Phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire started that. Yeah. All right. So let's go back uh, a couple of weeks. Pastor Chad did a great job of laying out the preparation for the coming of Jesus uh, in Sunday's message on Advent. But I was impressed with his alliteration. Yeah, he did a great there job. There was some on, good alliteration. Yeah, he did. Good yeah. alliteration in yeah. his points. But let's go back to uh, John chapter 8, the message before Thanksgiving, where we talked about the power in the promise. Mm. There yeah. were a couple of moments where you kind of laid out this scene in John chapter 8, verses 48, 49, 50, where Jesus is making some pretty strong claims. Mm -hmm. And one of the claims he makes is that he is God. And it's the most significant claim he's ever made. And we were kind of talking about, this is a great way to, to evangelize. Mm -hmm. This is a great response to people when they 
ask questions like, or they say things like, well, Jesus never claimed he was God. Yeah. What is so significant about that particular scene in Scripture and and why this claim uh, to the religious leaders was so important? Yeah, I mean, we when I think part of it is how we read it in English. You know, like we don't fully understand, you know, what Jesus is saying. So when someone says, uh, like, I'll never forget when I back, I mean, years and years ago when I was a student pastor, I was mm-hmm. watching a like YouTube had just came out, and I was watching a YouTube clip of actually two Muslim guys that were refuting um, the claims about Jesus, like. Mm-hmm. Because Muslims, they believe in Jesus. They just don't believe that Jesus ever said he was God. Um, so they were talking about that. And and um, a lot of people have that viewpoint. And again, so what I'm getting at is when Jesus says before Abraham was, I am, in English, we read that as him saying something different than what he's saying. Because the point I was trying to make in the message, when Jesus says that, he's not saying um well, let me say in the pot, what he's saying, the word I am is actually God's name. Mm-hmm. Um, in Hebrew, um, you know, it is Yahweh. Um, and the Jewish people wouldn't even say that name. You know, if you've right. been around church, you know that, or have probably heard that preach before. They wouldn't even say his name because that was the name that God told Moses he was. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, there's huge significance to that, that God's name is, is like his name means to be. That's what the word means. Mm-hmm. It means I am to be exist. And so the hugeness of the statement, the what originally what God told Moses was God was telling Moses, I am existence. Like all existence comes from my existence. Mm-hmm. And the most mind blowing thing for anyone to think about Christian or non is is the genesis how the world got here like i've had this conversation with with my kids and i remember thinking about this when i was a child um like we all understand that the earth had a beginning mm-hmm. you know and, and there's debates on how that happened you know whether it was evolution whether it was big bang whatever it was um but in your mind you're like okay we might di- we can disagree on how that that took place but we understand that there was a time when the world wasn't here And then there's a time when it was, um, but you apply that. So then you just keep going back and then you're like, okay, well, when did, when was there a time that God wasn't Mm -hmm. there? There wasn't, Mm -hmm. there's never been a time God wasn't right. So when God makes the claim or, or not makes the claim, when God tells Moses back in answer to Moses's question, who are you? He says to him, I am, I'm existence. So he's making the, what he's telling Moses is my name is I've always existed. I've always been here. I am all existence, all life, everything comes from me. So that's what he's saying to Moses. So then, so again, from a, from a religious, from a first century Jewish perspective, um, and this is one of the claims, if you do any kind of apologetics, again, from an evangelistic standpoint, one of the claims about like people who have said, well, this is all just a made up story. The Jewish people just made it up about Jesus. It was a power grab. Mm-hmm. You know, it was their way of getting into power. Um, and they just use that. Well, if there was one group of people on planet earth that would have never said that God was a man, mm-hmm. it would be the first century Jewish people. Right. They would have never said that. 
They were the last group of people on planet earth because the idea of God in his existence was so reverent. They wouldn't even say his name. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says, when he, when he takes that phrase, when he takes that name on himself, what he was, and it's a fascinating dialogue there because Jesus is, is talking about the reason why the, why the, it even gets brought up is Jesus is telling the religious leaders, he knows what Abraham thought. He knows what Abraham did. He said, Abraham never did this. Abraham never thought this way. Abraham rejoiced at seeing my day. Mm-hmm. So the religious leaders were thinking to themselves, how in the world do you know what Abraham was rejoicing over? How do you know what Abraham right. thought? You're not even 50 years old. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus makes the claim, the reason why I know that is because I am. I am God. Which is why the text says they picked up stones to kill him. Right. Because again, mm-hmm. so the the apologetic or the 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 way the reason why how we would use this to evangelize somebody is to say, listen, the reason why this is not made up by first century Jewish leaders as a power grab is they wanted to kill him and they did kill him. Um, this was blasphemous, blasphemous. Jesus isn't saying, and this is what I'm saying, how it doesn't translate always in English. Jesus isn't just saying something about himself. Right. Um, in in the sense of like, uh, even, even the idea of saying I am God, um, the word God to us just doesn't carry the same weight that it did to a first century Jewish person. Mm -hmm. Um, religious person who had such reverence for that. Um, so the claim, yeah, the reason why it's the greatest claim Jesus ever made is he's saying, I'm the guy who all existence comes from. I'm the guy who everything that is, as I like to say often in messages, it doesn't make for great English, but it makes for great theology. Everything that is came from Jesus isness. (laughs) You know, everything that exists came from Jesus existence. And that's what he claimed. He claimed it, even though he didn't say the word in English, I am God, he didn't have to, because he said, I am. Mm. Um, I am existence. I am he. I am the guy who talked to Abraham, who talked to Moses. I'm him. So powerful. Uh, earlier in that message, uh, you you referenced a, a Latin phrase, ad hominem. Mm-hmm. And it was a response to something from verse 48, where the religious leaders uh, attack Jesus. This is so applicable to where we are in our culture today. Absolutely. Could you expand on that? You being a Latin major, did I say that word correctly? Ad hominem? Ad hominem? Yes. Okay. There's always a funny word to me, because I always think of like comedy, you know, that you Mm -hmm. put into... Um, is that a bit... No, that would be a starch or something? It's in a can. I've seen it in a can. Is hominy Latin? Is it, I, is it just I, ad hominem? Uh, ad hominem. Um, I do like hominy. Yes. But disclaimer, that does not mean I need anybody to go buy me hominy. You yes. know, I have to be careful sometimes of what I say I like because then mm. I get it, which sometimes it's fine. Like I, I just got a bag of M&Ms and a, like a brick Snickers bars. That I've never seen that because I made a reference to it in a message. So then that showed up here at our offices. And so I got a big old bag of Christmas M&Ms and Snickers. That was awesome. Got to be careful what you say. But I don't need hominy. I Uh, don't uh, like cilantro. I hate cilantro. Yes. Isn't that, that's because that's one of those things it's like, and they've done studies, Mm -hmm. like it either tastes like dish soap or something else to people. Oh, I would eat dish soap. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes like garbage to me. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's something Mm -hmm. about it chemically. It's a a genetic thing. Yeah. You either love 
cilantro so, or, you, or, or you, you hate it. No, like, nobody's really on the fence. No, it because it either tastes like dish soap or mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever it's yeah. supposed to taste it like. Ruins everything. It, me too. It's from I the can, devil. I can't stand it. Yeah. Well, it's from the Lord, but you know, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I I don't like it. Um, where were we? Ad hominem. Ad, yeah, ad, the, ad hominem. The, yeah. So that is. Yeah, you're right. It's a Latin phrase, and um. The, the idea of it is it's a form of argumentation. Mm-hmm. And, but the, the point is an ad hominem attack is when I'm not attacking the argument that you're making, mm-hmm. I'm attacking you mm-hmm. as a person. And the pronoun AD is toward. Oh, it is. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's toward you. Yes. Yes. Um, toward the hominy. Toward, toward, <laughs> toward the person. Yeah. Toward the person. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an attack that is the lowest form of argumentation that says I don't have to deal with the issue, um, and and most often because I feel like I won't win um, the argument, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to attack you because if I can discredit you as a person, then I don't have to deal with with what you're saying. And that never happens in today's culture. Never. Well, again, if you think about uh, if you if you're married, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking yeah. about friendships, relationships, how many times do arguments devolve into an ad harm ad hominem argument Oh yeah, where I'm saying somebody brings up a legitimate argument about something. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean that in a neck, like just saying, Hey, this happened or you said this or you did this and I didn't agree with it. Well, if I don't want to deal with that, I'll say, well, I don't like you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to deal with what you said because you're worse than me or right. you're whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, culture has devolved into this. And again, I, I like to rag on social media uh, sometimes, but it's not, it's not the fault of social media. It's not like social media in itself is bad. All social media do- has done is make our thoughts more accessible. Um, and I was listening to, uh, actually on social media, I saw a, a Christian lady yesterday say, um, don't believe everything you think. Mm. Well, the problem with what social media has done is we just put out everything we think. Right. Um, and so it is just, it has given us a, the problem is not social media. The problem is humans. Yes. And it's just giving us more insight into what people are actually thinking in their brains. And then there's no filters. But again, all that to say, yeah, social media has highlighted this form of argumentation to where I don't have to deal with the argument. I just attack the person. If I attack the person and discredit the person, then who cares what they say? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was trying to point out in the message that humans haven't changed much in 2000 years, no. you know? Um, and so the people that Jesus was discussing, you have to remember it was a group of people that he, he was teaching that he, that were believing in who he was, were starting to come around but he was making sure they believed in the right Jesus, you know, that they understood fully who he was. And I think, which is what makes the claim that we were just talking about so great is there's a lot of people who believe their version of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yes. They believe their own version of Jesus, like a made up version. So the greatest, wasn't the AW, AW Tozer right. said that the greatest thing about you is what you think about God, yes. um, which is so true. Um, so the greatest thing about me or you or anybody else is what they think about God. Well, there's a lot of people who think about Jesus um, not as the I am, mm-hmm. not as God. He's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he said some things and I want to live my life basically by the morals he taught right. and that kind of stuff. 
And what he was telling to those religious leaders of the day is, no, you, I am God. I am the one who commands you. I am the one who, um, who has the ability to promise you life. And if you'll follow me, if you'll keep my words, if you'll listen to me, then you'll get that. And then instead of dealing with that, they just go to that lowest form of argumentation and say, well, you're a Samaritan, mm-hmm. which they hated. Right. You know, you're a group of people I don't like. Mm-hmm. And you have a demon, you know, so they were just attacking him instead of dealing with his truth claims. And, and I think the argument I was trying to make, and, and I always try to make in, in, in any message is if you really look at the truth claims of Jesus, anybody, if you really look at the truth claims of what he said mm-hmm. and who he is, yeah. then I think you will come to the conclusion that there's no one like him. Right. Um, but most people don't even get to that point because they are attacking the person that's telling them that. And this is the, the, the person that says, well, the reason why I don't go to church is because Christians are hypocrites. Yeah. You know, well, okay. Yes, they are, Mm -hmm. but so are you. Right. Um, but that becomes like, well, I can just dismiss everything that Christ says because of Christians, Mm -hmm. um, which we can get into that in a later episode. You know, we'll talk about the role of the church and convictions and those kinds of things. But I think that is the, where I'm coming from. And I don't even mean this as an attack, but that's the, it takes no intelligence to do that. No, the, but it takes real intelligence. It takes real mental fortitude to say, you know, I'm going to actually deal with this, these claims. It's an easy default. It's a default. Yeah. Like it takes, it takes no, um, emotional health for me to attack my wife. Uh, but it takes huge emotional health to be calm, to listen to what she's saying and say, you know what? You might be right about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I do that sometimes. And I need to work on that. I need to, I need to absorb the truth into my life and let it change me instead of just attacking you for telling me the truth. Mm. As, As Paul said to the Galatians, have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? Right. A lot of people respond like that when the truth shows up. Yes. I don't want to deal with the truth. I just want to attack mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And what I'm saying is Christians should not be like that. We should deal with the truth no matter what it means for us and listen to it instead of just attack the person. Mm. That is so good. You are listening to the Grow People podcast uh, with Pastor Jason. Comments and views expressed on this program turn out our representative of the Mission and Vision of Revolution Church for a transcript of today's podcast. Just write down everything we say. All right, coming up on the Grow People podcast, next time we're going to talk about Pastor Jason's three convictions coming out of the last two years, Mm -hmm. coming out of the pandemic. I mean, I think at the time of this recording, uh, it's 628 days since flatten the curve. Is it really? Yeah, well, 620. Flatten the earth? Flatten the curve. <laughs> Did you say flatten the I think you no, said flatten I, the I, earth. I said flatten the curve. Oh. Uh, we'll have to go back and listen. Well, whoever writes this down, we'll look at the transcript. <laughs> yeah, and see what they say. Yeah. That that said, there is a big series coming up mm. in December. And you know, obviously nothing bigger than God's word and we'll be looking at God's word, but through the lens of a series called leading a legacy, yeah, this is going to be transformative for a lot of people based on that word transformation. Mm. Yeah, I hope so. 
you know, and the, the thought process of it was, and we've teased it a little bit on this already in previous episodes, but you know, we tend to think in the new year, we tend to think of, uh, habits that we want to change, you know, gym memberships go up, you know, <laughs> we even do a 21 day, you know, prayer and fasting, trying to be disciplined in the beginning of the year, which is good. Um, but I, one of the things we were talking about as we're going into Christmas, it's like, well, what if we started thinking about that now before we went into the new year? Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. And and then it just kind of built again on, as I've shared before, some previous uh, convictions in my own life of, of wanting to leave a legacy, mm-hmm. you know, and partly because my son is graduating high school and my kids, you know, I'm just in a different season and right. phase of life. And so, yeah, the conviction came of like, well, if I want to leave a legacy, then I have to lead one, you know, which we've mentioned that. And so we're kicking off this series. It'll be a three-week series going into the Christmas holidays. And and the challenge really is for people to think about, you know, here we are at the end of a year, and am I better? Um, And, and again, in some ways in my life, and I think we would all be honest, um, uh, the pandemic and so, what I've heard many people say, the pandemic didn't change much. It just accelerated stuff. Mm-hmm. Like things were already heading a direction. It just made us get there faster. But I know for me, in some ways, as a result of the pandemic, I've gotten worse. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some parts of my life that uh, I feel like I've become a worse human being, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the good thing about emotional health, which we'll talk about, uh, before the end of the year as well. One of the things that makes you emotionally healthy is when you know, you're not emotionally healthy. Amen. You know, yeah. <laughs> it even goes to like what Jesus said, you know, in John eight, I don't glorify myself cause he didn't have to. Right. Cause there was someone else who was doing that. Well, that's, you know, any psychologist on the planet would, would look at that even if they don't believe Jesus is God, like we've said and say that is hugely healthy mm-hmm. that Jesus didn't feel this need yeah. to promote himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was, oh, and he was God, he was perfect. So there's something about that, that is why Jesus's legacy is so lasting. And, and, and here's a kind of a fun thought experiment. If, if your goal was to, um, lead a worldwide revolution, um, where 2000 years from now, almost half the world would believe in you, um, would you have done it the way Jesus did it? Great question. Yeah. Like I thought, you know, again, from a thought experiment, if we were honest that we would say no, right. We would have had a huge marketing campaign. We mm-hmm. would have built ourselves up. We would have done what every other, you know, world a person with world domination on their mind tried to do. We would have gone to Jerusalem when his brother said to go to, to Jerusalem. go to Jerusalem. Yes. We would have built an army. We would have done it by force. We would have done it by every other way every other nation has ever tried to do. Wouldn't have come in on a donkey. Wouldn't have come in humble. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Jesus's greatness was actually in his humility. Mm-hmm. And here we are 2000 years later talking about him and almost half the world believes in him. So again, to think about it from a, going back to the point from a legacy perspective, like in some ways in, in my life and in, in, in people's lives, the pandemic has made us worse because it just accelerated patterns that we already had. Yes. Um, you know, uh, people have talked about weight they've put on during COVID. I've put on weight, mm-hmm. uh, habits that we had thoughts that we've had, um, 
because we were locked down and we were mm-hmm. at alone, uh, you know, home alone, watching mm-hmm. news every day and filling our minds with this. So much information. So much information. But no. Yeah, no transformation, which again, coming out of Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So again, all that kind of going into this, this is how the sausage is made, you know, mm-hmm. like of this series. Um, the the My point is in this series, what I want us to to think about is, man, I don't want that to be my legacy. Like I, I don't want, um, so if I want 2022 to be different, then I've got to lead it now. I've got to make those changes now. And, and the biggest part of that is, um, again, thinking about my, in the life of my own son, if I want my son to like, my son is going to do what he sees his father doing. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus talked a lot about, I just do what I see my father doing. Right. So what makes Jesus great, um, is he gives us a picture of who God is. So if you know who God is, look at Jesus. Well, look at Jesus did. Well, that's what God does. And so God is humble. God is gracious. God is all those things because Jesus is God. And, and, and where I'm going with all of that is if I don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform me, mm-hmm. then I'm going to transfer my dysfunction onto my kids. Wow. And okay, th- stop. <laughs> stop. Okay, everybody get a pen. You're going to want to write that down. Yeah. If there is no transformation in you, you're going to transfer to the next generation, what you are today. Yes. In fact, one of our mentors from a distance, Pete Scazzaro, who also has a great podcast, Emotionally Healthy Leader, uh, or Leadership, um, or Disciple, whatever, just look it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, I was listening to that, and he he said that, and his line was, which I'll preach in this series, is what doesn't get transformed gets transferred. Wow. And... So when I think about that, that puts my transformation in a whole new light. Not only should I work to, you know, be transformed by the renewing of my mind as Romans 12, one through three says, or one through four, whatever it is. Um, not only should I do that because I'm accountable to God, but if I don't do that, it's then my old mindsets and my dysfunction is going to get transferred mm-hmm. to my kids um, and to really anybody that I come in contact with. And then that's really important because you may be listening and you don't have kids, but, yes. but you may be a husband. Exactly. And or if a wife you, if, or a worker or mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Yeah. What, whatever, whatever you are today, you're transferring to the person next to you. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I became the lead pastor of revolution church, which this coming January would be 12 years ago, which is just crazy to me. But somebody told me, and it was either one of my seminary classes or a friend or something, I can't remember. Um, but he said, whenever you've been at a church for five years, um, the culture has been set by you and whatever is wrong in your church, it's because of you. Mm. And, and the point was, once you've been there five years, the culture is you. You are the culture. Because how you lead, who you are, um, is now been formed by you. So when I came here 12 years ago, someone else had set the culture. Right. Someone else had set it. So I was walking into the culture that someone else set. But right along that five-year mark of me being here, mm-hmm. the culture of the church was now set by me. I had right. been here long enough to tra- either transform mm-hmm. it or transfer my own dysfunction onto it. Mm. 
So if there were things that were dysfunctional about the church, it's because I am dysfunctional. Um, and that is a huge thing. And I joke about this, but it's not funny, but I'm, I'm, I'm being serious when I say it. What I mean is, is one of the reasons why God made me a pastor is because he knew that's what it would take to get me to actually be a functional Christian mm-hmm. is I had to have the weight right. of other people's, I had to have the responsibility of other people's lives mm-hmm. on me or I wouldn't take it as seriously as I should. Wow. So again, that's the thought process right. of what I'm getting at here is if there are things that are wrong with the culture of Revolution Church, it's because there's things that are wrong in me mm-hmm. as a leader. And I've got to change that. I've got to transform that. Because if I'm not transforming it, then I'm transferring it mm-hmm. to our staff, right. to our teams, which is why we've worked so hard over the last year and a half to redo our culture statements, to yep. redo what is it that we want the culture of Revolution Church to be. Because mm-hmm. there's things that were annoying me mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. you know. But in order to do that with integrity, I have to look at myself first right. and say, well, if there are things that are wrong with the culture of the church, if there are things that are wrong with the culture of my home, it's because there are things that are wrong in the culture of my heart. You know, as we talked over the last few weeks, there's only two houses. There's only two fathers. There's only two ways. So if there are things that are wrong around me, it's because there are things that are wrong within me. Mm-hmm. And I got to deal with that. And if I can deal with that, the good news is the culture around me can change. Mm-hmm. Side note, uh, I'm a steward of Revolution Church before I am employed by Revolution Church. Mm. Um, my wife and I became stewards here long before I was yeah. on this staff. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to speak as a steward right now. I am so thankful that we have a pastor that pursues humility by the grace of God mm. to, to live out what he says. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think... Um, yeah, that's a holy moment, and I don't, I don't want to ruin it, uh, but I, I am trying to learn how to receive appreciation and compliments myself um, without just deflecting it. But, yeah, I, I think what's amazing when you look at Jesus is before Jesus showed up on the scene, and you can actually do a word study on the word humility. In Greek culture, it wasn't a value. It was a vice. It wasn't seen as a virtue. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, the word humility actually gets reformed into a virtue. And it seems it is shown as integrity. And yet Jesus was God. He was the most virtuous, glorious being, but yet he took the lowest position. So I I do think that, and, and I've always tried to lead that way as a pastor, as a, as a parent, as a father, is to be open and honest about my struggles mm-hmm. and and approach it hu- with humility, which again feels arrogant to say, "Oh, I'm so humble." That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I am saying, in appreciation to what you said, is I I do try to lead in such a way where there is a recognition that I am a sinner. Mm-hmm. As uh, I believe it was John Owen that said on his deathbed, um, there's two great truths. I'm a great sinner and he's a great savior. Amen. Um, 
So if any leadership in our life doesn't start with those two, then we're starting off in a false mm-hmm. sense of ourself. Yeah. I am a great sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's just recognize that. And then let's, by the grace of God, the second truth, he's a great savior. Let's move out from there. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, it is the Grow People podcast, and we would like to uh, now move into the Ask Pastor Jason segment. Uh, if you have a question for Pastor Jason, uh, whether it's about whatever we've talked about on the podcast uh, in the first seven episodes, this is episode eight, or something theological, something about doctrine, something about the church, uh, please go to our Instagram page and message us. Yep. It's Revolution Church GA. And that's exactly what Ashley did. And Ashley wrote this uh, question. She actually starts out, I have a question, which is excellent. That's great. I have a question that's for the how podcast. We know. Yes. Uh, for Christians that are still early in their faith, where should they begin reading the Bible? And is there a certain order they should read or certain books they should begin with? Yeah. Great question, Ashley. And uh, I love the question because it is, uh, you can hear the genuineness of yeah. it. Like, hey, I, I I am new to this. Help mm-hmm. me. Yep. Which again, we should we should never forget as pastors and, and Christians, there are so many people that are new to this. Yes. And our just like a family gets excited when a baby's born, the church mm-hmm. should get excited when new Christians are born. Mm. You know, and and orient a lot of their life around that. And can I add there are so many people who have been in church for decades mm-hmm. that are new Christians. Oh yeah. There's so, the, yeah. They're who, still who, immature. Who didn't get good teaching. Yes. Who didn't have somebody say, Hey, start here. Exactly. So where, where should Ashley start? Well, ironically, um, I would start in the gospel of John, which is where we are. And which is one of the reasons why we're doing it. So Ashley, what I would first, what I would say, and I don't mean this critically of the Bibles, don't start in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, I wouldn't buy, a a one year Bible that takes you through a like a chronological reading. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't start in the Old Testament. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the Old Testament. Um, obviously, because the the secrets of the New Testament are hidden in it, and the yep. New Testament unlocks it. But I, I've and I've I've said this to people um, throughout the years. Start with the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John is the purpose of the book, as it says in chapter twenty, is to tell you who Jesus is so that you might believe and have life in his name. So I would start there. Then, so the the gospel of John is going to give you a picture of who Jesus is so that you'll get that from a theological perspective. Then I would go into some of Paul's new Testament letters um, because his letters, um, particularly like one of my favorites is Ephesians. Um, so I would go to Ephesians, you know, Maybe Corinthians, depending upon, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, those, we forget those letters were written to churches that were messing up. Yeah. That were, which is always funny to me when people are like, I want to be the New Testament church. Um, okay. So you want to be the church that's having all kinds of problems. <laughs> and everybody always just goes to the Acts 2, like, oh, that's the New Testament church. And it is. I'm not saying it's not. Right. But I'm saying that was the New Testament church for like six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they had huge problems that Paul had to write them <laughs> letters. Like, crazy like you read the book of corinthians first and second and you're like y'all people are insane you know 
Uh, so let's be careful when we say we want to be the New Testament church. You mean you want to have heresies, you know? Um, so I'll take that. That's a little tongue in cheek. Anyway, we can do that on another but, podcast. But, well, that's a that's a great topic. You know, what is heresy? Yeah, because it gets thrown out there oh, yes. all the time. Yes, we should definitely dig into that. But so, back, Ashley, back to your question. Yeah, I was starting the Gospel of John, and then I'd probably go to like Ephesians because it's six chapters and it's written uh, in such a way where the first three chapters are teaching you theology mm-hmm. about who Jesus and who God is. And then the last three chapters are teaching you practical application, how to live that out. So the two biggest issues for a new believer is to understand who Jesus is and then to understand how do I follow his words? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Um, and that's what most Christians are wanting to know. And so I have found that, and other people have found that are smarter than me, like if you start with the Old Testament, you're not going to get those two things right, right off. Yeah. You know, you're getting history. Mm. You're getting, you know, the activity of God throughout the the centuries, which is you need to know, but it's not what you need to know first. Mm-hmm. What you need to know first is who Jesus is and then how to live in light of who he is. That is excellent. Excellent. And, and you know, when I got saved in, in 2006, um, now, I did have people right away say, oh, you just got saved. Have you read John Owen's Mortification of Sin? Have yeah, you, don't have, start there. Have you read Jonathan Edwards' Religious Affections? I'm like, yeah. I, I can barely read the back of a shampoo bottle. <laughs> so, that's, and and I, had, I had hair back then. Did you have pert? pert was it pert, pert shampoo? Pert, Remember that suave. one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a pert man. Isn't that the green one? Pert? It is. Yeah. I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Swab was good too. <laughs> I, I didn't have hair in 2006. Who am I kidding? Yeah. Um, it jumped ship in 93. Wow. Yeah. A long time ago. But, you know, then somebody said, hey, here's where to start. And I did start in John. Yeah. And, and it was so helpful to to understand, you know, who who is this guy yes. that I just trusted in and gave my life to? Yeah. Well, and the, and the amazing thing about the even the way John starts is it has overtones of Genesis one, yes. you know, in the beginning, you know, so that's another good reason why I think, because yeah, you're getting a, this kind of eternal aspect of God yep. that he was there in the mm-hmm. beginning, uh, like we had talked about earlier. And then, yeah, who is he? And then how do I need to live my life in light of who he is? Excellent. That's question. the main things to know. Excellent question, Ashley. Thank you. Uh, if you have a question for Pastor Jason, uh, just message us on the uh, Instagram page of Revolution Church, Revolution Church GA. Uh, your cliffhanger was the teaser to the December series coming up, leading a legacy. Uh, you don't get transformed until, I'm sorry. You what doesn't get transformed gets transferred. Thank you. That yeah. that was the cliffhanger. You're not going to want to miss any church in December. Thank you so much, Pastor Jason, uh, for just uh, being real with us on this podcast. You know, part of growing people is that humility to be real. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because we're not going to grow unless we are. Yeah. And how do we end every podcast? The best advice we ever heard. Mm-hmm. Trust Jesus and take a nap. <laughs>